On today's podcast, we focus on offense, and we're going to talk to one of the best performing offenses in the country, the head coach and offensive coordinator of Lakeland University, Colin Brutton. Collins, great to have you here today. Hey, I appreciate it, Keith. Great to be here. So, Coach, this offense you have, you know, for our listeners, number four in the country at 523.4 yards per game, number 10 in scoring offense at 45.1 points per game. Uh, numbers that when you look at them, you're like, wow, those those are off the charts, you know. So uh, we're definitely going to dig into some of the offense here, but want to step back and talk about your start in coaching and going back to the beginning. What was it for you that really made you want to go into this profession and become a football coach? Yeah, you know, it was, uh, you know, went to college and I played college ball at Division three school in Illinois, played at uh, Benedictine University. Entered college thinking I was going to law school. I was a political science major, and, and my plan was to be a, a law student and, and obviously maybe make a little bit more money than, uh, than, than a college football coach makes at times. But, you know, as I, as I was going through college, just just didn't feel like I could give it up and, and uh, loved the game, always loved the game. Was always a guy who was never the most athletic guy, but was a guy that, that really was a smart player and kind of understood scheme and technique and, and that kind of stuff. And that allowed me to have some success as a player, you know, because I wasn't a guy that was going to, jump off the charts at a combine or anything like that. You know, kind of as I, as I went along through college, sometime around my sophomore year, I decided that I think coaching is what I wanted to do. And, you know, had some opportunities, had, had an opportunity to, to become a graduate assistant at, at Wisconsin-Platteville, and that kind of started it. And just kind of fell in love with, with coaching and working with young athletes and making a difference. And, you know, been very fortunate to have opportunities to continue in this profession. When you look at what, what drove you to become a coach and where you are right now, how is that – I guess drive and some of the things behind it evolved and obviously you add to that as you become a coach and see things in a different way. So how's that evolved for you? I think a lot of it's the evolution of, of kind of role coming in as, as a graduate assistant and you know your, your focus is really on your position group and your focus is kind of relationships with that small group and I think the biggest thing for me, you know, going from, from that role, you know, my, my second role was as a coordinator, you know, so I went from being a, a GA for three years to being a coordinator and See the role changes, the expectations change, the pressure changes, but it's still about relationships. And I think that's the thing that's probably, you know, been the thing that I think once you're in the profession, you realize is, is most important. It's just, it's a relationship with the other coaches, it's a relationship with your players, with your athletes, relationships with people on campus and things like that. And that hasn't changed, you know, transitioning seven years ago to become the head coach here at Lakeland. It really didn't change. It, you know, the, the, the game is about relationships and you know, the X's and O stuff and the scheme and, and all that stuff is important and you need to have it, but, but it ultimately starts and ends with relationships. If you can build the right relationships and have kids that, you know, believe in what you're, what you're about as a program, and that, that's really what's most important. And I think that's probably where, you know, for me, the evolution happened. I think getting into coaching, you think it's like playing Madden. You know, it's picking plays and, and it's that stuff. And really, when, when you get in it, you realize that that's a part of it, but it's a very small part of it. The biggest part is just building relationships and continue to grow positive relationships. And I think that's the thing that for me and my evolution, it, it hasn't changed as far as, as far as that being the biggest part of it, but the relationships have changed. It's changed when my role has changed and my relationship to players. when I was just a GA was different than my relationship when I was their coordinator versus being the head coach, the relationship changes. And, and I think that's good. And I think that's okay. I think also, you know, the, the kids have changed a little bit and I, I'm not one of those I'm only 40, so I'm not one of those guys that, that talks back in my day and all that kind of stuff, but it has changed a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. and, and different rules have changed a little bit. You know, it's just, it's just a little different than it was. 
when you look back to your early days, and for all of us, there's that one thing we know, right? Maybe it starts with one thing and we expand for there. But for you early on, what was, I guess, your quote-unquote major in this game? And, and then what would you say would be, you know, a minor and something that developed with you along the way? Yeah, I think for me, you know, I always played in the defensive backfield. So I'm, I'm really a defensive guy. You know, I'm, I'm coordinating the offense here at Lakeland, but I was I coordinated the defense here at Lakeland for 13 years before, uh, before moving over to offense. For me early on, you know, I always had a really good understanding of coverage, back-end coverages defensively, just understood that. You know, I think had a, had a good understanding. I was a basketball guy as well, basketball player. So I think spatial awareness and things like that. I was always good there. My first start, you know, I coached outside linebackers in a 3-4 scheme, and that was kind of where I started the GA and, and quite honestly didn't have a huge understanding of, you know, what run fits meant or, you know, technique. You know, when you're, when you're walking up that weak side outside linebacker, you know, you're essentially now coaching a defense end. And that, for me, was, was really foreign. So I think learning kind of how everything fit defensively. You know, when you're, when you're playing corner, and that's where I played in college, when, when you're playing cover three, you really don't care too much about what's going on in front of you. You know, so I think that's part of the evolution. And, you know, I think for me, you know, with our GAs here, you know, I always say, like, year one, you need to be able to coach your position and coach their technique. And then year two, we hope you have a better understanding of the whole package. And then if you're around for a third year, you know, you, you should be able to say, hey, this is what we should do and this is the adjustment we should make. And I think that's kind of the evolution. But for me, it was always, you know, I think I always understood coverage. And then just kind of, kind of from there, my, obviously your knowledge grows every year. For you, as you develop and evolve as a coach and you think back to some of your mentors in this game, what are the lessons that really stuck with you and stand out and really became part of who you are as a coach? I think the, the need to build relationships is the big one. You know, I think, you know, and I, I GA'd, like I said, at UW-Platteville, and, and Mike Emmendorfer was the head coach then, and, and you know, just he just stepped down, just re, uh, retired mm-hmm. from Platteville, but... You know, he was a guy, I think, early on in, in his career was a guy that was one of the innovators with the spread and scheme-wise was great and, and always was innovative, cutting edge with what they were doing in the passing game of Platteville. I think as I was there for three years at Platteville, you know, Mike really started to, to transition from being a guy who was still very scheme-based but being a guy that was more relationship-based. And I think you saw that program at Platteville kind of take off when he made that change. And I think that was, you know, for me, it was eye-opening. You know, it became more about how can we develop the person rather than how can we, you know, run curl slide a different way and, and, and things like that. So I think that was a big one for me is just, you know, recognizing uh, that, you know, came to Lakeland and I worked for Kevin Doherty and Kevin was the same way. We recruit here at Lakeland. We have a very diverse roster and kids from all sorts of different backgrounds and the ability to find ways to relate to kids from, from all over was important and just continuing to build those relationships. And those, those I think, you know, taken from those two guys who I worked for were, were really huge. Just continue to build relationships and give, give kids give, you know, the idea that, that you care about them more than, than just as a football player. And, and I think that's important and it's been important to our growth in our program at Lakeland. You mentioned that you used to coordinate the defense before, and you did have some top uh, nationally ranked defenses as a defensive coordinator. So what, for you, made that transition that, hey, I'm going to go over the offensive side of the ball and focus on coordinating an offense? A couple things. You know, I think Eric Tresky was our offensive coordinator here. I mean, Eric took the head coaching job at Wisconsin Lutheran at his alma mater, and, you know, Eric's one of, one of my great friends. And so we had an opening and, and was kind of deciding, you know, what I wanted to do or how I wanted to fill that opening. And there was really a couple factors. The first was Mitch Shepard was, was our defensive GA at the time. and He's outstanding. And, and he's a guy who I thought was ready to become a coordinator and ready to kind of take on a bigger role in our program. And 
you know, he was a guy that I was going to lose. You know, he was the GA who was looking for that full-time opportunity. So we were going to lose him if, if, you know, we didn't have the ability to promote him type thing. I mean, I, I knew he was ready and, and honestly knew that what he wanted to do defensively was probably a little better fit than what I was doing uh, defensively at the time. The other thing, and probably the bigger factor, was I, I just think he had the ability to control things so much more offensively than he did defensively. You know, defensively, you know, even, you know, we were a very aggressive defensive team, but you're still kind of in a react mode defensively with offense you know you can control the tempo of the game you can control things just down and distance decisions you know there was many times where you know when you're coordinating the defense and, and you're meeting at the sideline you know you're not you know or you're meeting at the bench you're not on the sidelines to really see what's going on from an offense standpoint you know so you're making sometimes those you know decisions whether you're going to go for it on fourth down with really not having a feel for what happened on the previous downs I mean, those are some of the things that, that I thought, you know, I, I just wanted more control over as the head coach. You know, there were things, Eric did an outstanding job coordinating our offense. We were, you know, had, had great offenses before him. Tyler Wellman, who's now at Shrine, coordinated our offense and did a great job as well. And we had some nationally ranked offenses. But I felt like tempo-wise, I wanted to play faster. I wanted to be, you know, I, my, my personality, I'm not very risk adverse. So I, you know, I want to take shots and take chances and be a very, very aggressive offense. And I felt like, you know, I had the ability to do that if I, if I moved into that role. You know, I remember sitting down with Eric Tresky at the convention in San Antonio the last time it was there. We're going there again this, this weekend, but it's sitting down and talking some ball with him. And he's, you know, afterwards I, I developed his podcast. He was he'd been a guest on the podcast and definitely a, a sharp young coach. When you took over the offense, and I know Eric did some things, did some brilliant things, but how did you really maybe have, again, having been a defensive coordinator, how did you take that knowledge of the game and, and what you had learned as a defensive guy and really, I guess, leveraged it to what you wanted to do on offense as you evolved and it became you coordinating the offense? Yeah, I think that, you know, it's an advantage when you have that experience on the other side of the ball. And, you know, the, the one of the advantages I had taken over offensively here was that we weren't, we weren't restarting. You know, a lot of the things that we're doing – you know, even terminology and things like that, we didn't change. We took a lot of the things that Eric was doing and, and continued them and, and obviously put our tweaks on it. But I think just looking at the things that, that gave me trouble as a coordinator, you know, we were, when I coordinated our defense, we were a heavy uh, cover one, cover zero team, a lot of different blitz packages, a lot of different blitz looks, a lot of different pressure looks. Um, and it's really hard to do that when you're, when you're playing at tempo, you know, and it's really hard to be to disguise looks when you're playing at tempo. You know, if you're, if you're playing cover one and a team's playing fast, you got to show cover one, you know, and, and that's some of the things that offensively, you know, we play extremely fast. We're a very up-tempo offense. And that's one of the things that right away I said, you know, this is something that defensively has always given me trouble. We want to take it over to that side of the ball. I think some of just the different things with, with just some route concepts and things like that, that, that we, we've done, you know, offensively are things that gave us trouble. You know, again, again, when I was coordinating the defense, we had issues when I coordinated the defense. You know, our, our best run play here offensively at Lakeland this past year was speed option. And that was another area where I think if you can become a good team at speed option, you can put some different stresses on, on the defense. So that's something that, that, again, stressed us when I was coordinating the defense. So it's something that we want to try to bring into our offense and, and run more effectively and more often. So just things like that. I think you're always looking at saying, what, you know, what gives me trouble? And then from there, it's how can I pass that trouble on to somebody else? Yeah, interesting. The the speed option you've seen that really become utilized more, right? It, it kind of disappeared for a little bit, but you start to see 
more and more of that speed option now. But taking a look at the overall philosophy, you mentioned you want to be an up-tempo team, but what would you say are the the main pillars of here's how we're going to run our offense and the things that, you know, when you sit down meeting one with your players to install it or, you know, bring a new coach in that you talk about, here's here's our offense, here's our pillars, this is what we build on. Yeah, I think, you know, for us, just schematically, we're, we're a spread team. So we're, we're a, ten, a true 10 personnel offense. So we're trying to spread you out sideline to sideline. You know, we're going to put our outside receivers at the bottom of the numbers and really try to use you know, all 53 yards of, of uh, horizontal room. From there, you know, kind of our base philosophy, we, we want every, every one of our skill kids, and I say skill kids, you know, every one of the guys that can touch the ball to be a threat. You know, I think some offenses, when, when I coordinate a defense, you could key on certain guys or certain positions and say, that, you know, they're, they're – you know, very heavy throwing the bottle or outside receivers or whatever it might be. So, you know, really try to make every every one of our guys be a threat to the defense at all times. One of the principles for us is that everyone has to be an athlete. Everyone has to be physical. You know, so if you're going to play for us on the outside, you got to be somebody that's willing to block. You got to be physical. You know, we're like everybody else. We're tagging the screen game, tagging our quick game stuff to our run game. You know, and it, that only works if you have receivers that are willing to be physical and willing to block. So that's something that I think you just got to get that buy-in right away. And then we say everyone has to be an athlete. You know, we're primarily a zone scheme up front. So we need kids up front that can move, you know, that can, can move their feet and get to the second level. You know, there's not a whole lot of uh, room anymore for the big offensive linemen that um, it's just down blocking. You know, it, it, they got to be athletes, got to be willing to move. And then I think the other thing for us is just we, we talk about attack mode. We want to be in attack mode at all times. We started off when I took over the offense, you know, we started off with a couple different tempos. And our, our kids kind of went away and just said, hey, we don't, you know, we want to play fast. So we're trying to snap the ball. Our goal is at about 12 seconds. So, you know, 28 on the play clock, we're hoping to get the ball snapped. You know, and then if we need to slow it down, we will just by holding the call a little bit. But we're trying to play fast at all times. We're just being attack mode at all times. We just constantly put that strain, put that strain on the defense. So your kids came to you and said, hey, we want to play fast, coach. And 12 seconds is, is, is pretty fast. I remember doing a study uh, when when we were looking at how we would want to use tempo, that most crews are going to, depending on the level you're at, you can get that ball spotted somewhere between 9 and 11 seconds if you're really pressing it, right? They'll take yep. longer if you're taking longer. If you're yep. moving, it still takes them 9 to 11 seconds to get the ball ready for play. So 12 seconds is really fast. So for you, what are the keys, first of all, to get your guys to perform in-game at that level? What things do you have to do in the install and in practice to make sure that you're moving at that fast of a pace? You know, we start every day with, with a tempo period. So what we're going to do is we're going to put the ball on the 50-yard line and, and we're going we're gonna to move into the end zone. We do it against air. But we're trying to run five to six plays and score in under a minute. It's kind of our goal. So we're going to change formation and, and, and obviously just, just signal in our plays as we always do and, and just try to play it at, at tempo. I think it's getting your guys to understand they constantly have to be moving, you know. So, you know, you'll see our guys are often flying. When the ball's in the air, they're starting to move, you know, starting to move to where the ball may be. And if it's incomplete, they're going to move back then. But just kind of constantly preaching, you know, tempo. Our, our guys probably hear me scream the word tempo, you know, 200 times of practice. Just, just, you know, just tempo, 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 and try to get them on the ball. But when it starts with that tempo, you know, that tempo period every day, I mean, that for us is about a five-minute period every day we'll run all of our guys through, you know, kind of, kind of every, every line of the depth chart through that tempo period, at least once or twice, but it's just, it's just a constant thing. You know, we do everything we do, we do at tempo. So 
Now, if we're going a seven-on-seven period, we're moving the ball in seven-on-seven. We use the whole field for seven-on-seven, and it's just constantly that tempo. And, and our guys are just, just constantly moving. I, I think once you get the buy-in, it becomes, it becomes easier to, to kind of keep it going. We signal in our formations. We also just scream our formations out. So we're screaming. You know, luckily, we don't play in front of 100,000 people. Right. Um, we're, we're, screaming, we're screaming out the formation. We're screaming out our backfield set. And we're also signaling at the same time. So our guys are moving. And then schematically, we don't flip our outside receivers at all. Mm-hmm. So our left outside, our right outside aren't going to flip. Our slots obviously will be our adjusters. Our backs, when we go empty, or, would be our adjuster. But our outside guys aren't going to flip. You know, and I think that just not having to run, um, you know, sideline to sideline helps. When you look at the schemes that go along with the tempo, and again, coming from the defensive side now, what schemes do you feel really stress a defense when you add the tempo into it? I think anytime you can kind of mix horizontal stretch with vertical stretch, it, it's going to be really tough. You know, so for us, everything we do in the run game, you know, we're going to attach Obviously, our, our, our single receiver, our free access route, and then we're also going to have our screen attached to our trip side or, or, or our two-man side. So I think just that horizontal stretch becomes really tough. I think anytime you know you put formation into the boundary, that, that's tough just because it's not something that a defense is used to seeing. A lot of defenses that are field or boundary-based, you know, they're trying to get lined up and, and trying, to get, trying to get set. And then all of a sudden, when you have formation into the boundary, that becomes a check for a lot of teams. I think going empty, again, is one of those things that becomes a check for a lot of defenses. A lot of defenses say, hey, we're going to have a call-in, but if you go empty, we got to check. You know, we have a couple different things we can run against empty. So I think when you're able to line up and, and, and snap the ball quickly and you can, you can give them something that is going to be an automatic check to them, it becomes tough. You know, I think any time a defense has to change when you're snapping the ball in 12 or 14 seconds, you know, that, that becomes really tough. So. There's some things like that. You know, there's some teams that we play that we know, you know, after about a series, anytime we go empty, this is going to be their auto check. And it's mm-hmm. really hard to have more than one auto check when, when you're playing that fast. You know, so really, really quickly we can say, okay, we get, you know, if we line up in this look, we know we're going to get this look. And that makes it easier. I think that's the biggest thing you'll see with tempo is you're going to get a lot more simplicity. Defense has gotten better. They're going to one-word calls, things like that. But you're still going to get more simplicity of look. You know, you're not going to – the playbook shrinks and – it has to shrink when you're when you're playing that fast. When you look at the aspect of the defensive side of things, right? Having been there, having been the defensive coordinator in your program as well, uh, a lot of times when you talk to tempo coaches, right? It's uh, it's a challenge to get the defense to understand. You know, we're going to operate this way, and you're going to have to account for that. So, in in looking at that and playing complementary football. What have been some things I guess you've had to do in thinking about how we're going to be as a defense if we're going to be this team that runs fast, moves down the field, maybe you know, hopefully doesn't have a lot of three and outs that doesn't that don't take up a lot of time, but um, might score fast as well. So how how have you been able to make sure that you're still complementary in the way you play ball? That's a great point. I think there has to be you know it's easier being that I'm the head coach. So I can, I can dictate things a little bit more. And, you know, I think sometimes when you're the assistant and you're, you're you know, on defense side of the ball, yeah, there, there's definitely times that we probably put, put our defense in some tough situations, you know, those quick turnarounds, things like that. But I think when you're the head coach, you can kind of dictate kind of philosophy for the whole program. You know, I think the, the first thing defensively is you, you probably have to play more guys. You know, you're going to play more snaps. You know, our goal is, you know, we'd love to snap the ball 90 times in a game. 
is kind of our goal offensively. We can snap it 90 times, we feel we feel pretty good. Against WLC this year, for instance, we snapped it 62 times on offense in the first half. Wow. And I think so defensively, you start thinking about, hey, you know, a normal game might be a traditional tempo. 20 years ago, you may have played 60 or 65 snaps. Now it's probably closer to 70 or 75 snaps is the average. For us, our defense may play 85 or 90 snaps. You know, so maybe it's playing more guys. Maybe it's playing more guys up front just to kind of kind of keep guys fresh as the game goes on. You know, I think the psychology, be, being a guy that played defense and coordinated the defense, I think some, sometimes it's not even how many plays you play, it's how many series you play. You know, the psychology of having to get off the bench again and get another stop. The, the thing that I'll say about it, I think, is the more you score, the easier it is for the defense. The easier it is for defense because obviously you strain the opposing offense. When you play with the lead, you, you get different looks from the opposing offense. You know, you, you become a little bit more one-dimensional when you're playing from behind an offense. But I think the biggest thing is psych, uh, psychologically, it's easier to get off the bench on defense when your offense is scored. And when you have confidence that, you know, hey, if we do give up points, our offense can score fast and, and you know, and, and, and make it up. So I think, you know, psych- psychologically, you're okay as long as you're, you're scoring on offense. When you're playing fast and you're, and you're not scoring, that's when it, it kind of snowball on you. And we've got, you know, really good buy-in. We were, you know, this year that was one of the things that we were really good at. I think we were strong on both sides of the ball, which helped. But there was, there was tremendous buy-in from not only our defensive coaches, but also our defensive players. And, hey, this is how we're going to play. This is what makes us best offensively. And as a result, you know, that they, they would just have to respond, you know, and there's times they're put in bad situations. But, you know, there's no doubt that you're going to put your defense if – you, if you, it has to be a program-wide buying because you're going to put your defense in some bad situations. You're going to put them in some situations where they're going to play 45 snaps and a half. There's going to be times they come to the bench and it's a three and out and 32 seconds went off the game clock. And that can be hard psychologically. It has to be a buy-in, I think, program-wide. Being a 10-personnel up-tempo team, I'm, I'm imagining you, you stick with that – personnel set quite often right you're not changing when you look yep. at how you you call the game there's different ways you can do it you look at maybe the traditional uh, teams who were multiple personnel maybe you know 11 12 21 types like that uh, they're going to do a lot of things at times that you know is, is about staying on schedule uh, taking shots here yep. and there etc is is your approach any different in being that 10 personnel up tempo team uh, especially if you get off schedule. Yeah, I don't think it changes much. You know, we're still, you know, offensively, you know, we're, we're still kind of a run-first offense, I'd say. You know, a lot of times you'll see we're throwing the ball off our run game. So we're still calling our, our base zone play, you know, but we're throwing a one-on-one. And to me, that's just an extension of the run game and, and trying, you know, just still trying to stay on schedule. You know, the thing for us, I think the biggest thing is when, when you're a 10 personnel team, to, to me, I think one of the strengths is, is you force teams to play with two overhang defenders. And that was one of the things that I think speed option was so good for us is, you know, if a team just schematically, if they don't want to play with an overhang to both sides of the field, you know, now you have numbers to run speed option. You have numbers to maybe throw your one-on-one or you have three numbers, whatever it might be. And then you just start counting, you know, the game becomes really just numbers. So if a team's going to play two overhangs, you know, can they, can they keep a five-man or six-man box? You know, to us, our numbers are really simple. A five-man box, generally we want to run the ball. If we start getting a six-man box, now we're probably throwing the ball. If we get one high, we're going to try to go vertical. And, and we've been blessed with really terrific athletes, you know, especially on the outside, uh, 
you know, at receiver that we can win vertical, you know, quite frequently. But but it's still about, you know, it's, it doesn't really change. It's still staying on schedule. The You know, for us, we were very – we were a little young. We, we weren't great up front on the offensive line. So, for us, you know, one of the ways that we could, you know, really – gain some some advantages up front where we could get guys out of the box we get them out of the box by going 10 personnel we could get them out of the box by by throwing our screen game or throwing our our quick game throwing our one-on-one to a single receiver but that's where i think speed option for us became such a weapon you know when you go speed option our slots who were, were very good very talented fifth year senior kids they became the key block and, and it was no longer our guard you know we, we get the ball wide quick and things like that so i think it's just you know it all kind of complements complements each other you know it's but it's still it's still about staying on schedule you know third and third and eight isn't good if you're a spread team or if you're a wing t team you know it's, it's not a great down the distance when you look at this the scheme i mean speed option is is relatively simple and easy to understand uh, but i know this in in having tried to run it a little bit is uh, there's a lot of factors that go into it you know whether it's how you practice it and drill it who you're calling it against and, and what they're playing, yep. but probably more importantly, what I found is is the quarterback you have and, and his willingness to you know run downhill at a defensive end. And and I've had those guys who were really talented quarterbacks who weren't in love with that idea. And I think that's primarily yep. one of the things. But for you, what are the key coaching points in order to make that play work? Other than having that guy who's who's willing to go downhill at that defensive end and, and pitch that ball out late. Yeah, that's obviously a huge key is it for us, you know, I think we were physical on the outside. You know, we had receivers that were willing to block, you know, so our, our matchups with, say, our, our slot receivers versus kind of that strong safety overhang, that hybrid kid that everybody's playing, that, that's a block we felt like we could get. You know, so our base rules were, you know, just, you know, end man, our, our tackle was going to have the play side inside backer. We're gonna we're not gonna block the end man, and then and then we're gonna try to get our number two to their number two, our number three to their number three. You know, so we'd run speed, you know, out of a two by two set, we'd run it, we'd run it three by one, both to the boundary end of the field. So, you know, when we, when we were in a trip set, now we had that number three receiver a lot of times to help, you know, almost like a double team block to the play side inside backer, up to the safety, and, and then that block from the slot to the overhang so that number two defender becomes the key block. And that, that for us, I think is the key is you got to have a kid out there that's willing to, to willing to, to get in there and block, you know, and we were talented, you know, at really our skill positions. We had, we started six seniors. So four senior receivers, a senior running back at the school's all-time lead rusher and a fifth year starter at quarterback. So we, we were talented at those positions, but, but really to me, you know, when you're running the ball, if you're running zone or power or whatever it might be where you're running the ball inside, you know, there's two or three or four guys that have to make a block. You know, for us, when we went speed, you know, we were hoping our play side tackle could get to the play side inside backer. But even if he didn't, you know, we felt like in most situations, we had our back now one-on-one with, with, an, uh, with a backer, you know, with a, maybe a safety coming downhill, you know, but it wasn't like we needed four guys to make a block. If our slot could block the overhang, you know, if we could get anything out of our outside receiver against the corner, which is a matchup that, that we usually feel like we can win, we at least have, have our back in space now. And, and we felt like that was a pretty good matchup for us. But, you know, those are the key things. Obviously, working pitch relationships is key. You know, I think anytime you're pitching the ball, you know, especially when your quarterback may be getting hit and he's trying to pitch the ball, there's some risks there. But, but again, it, it's pretty quick. You know, for us, a lot of times it might be two or three steps for our quarterback and he's getting the ball wide. 
you know, we pitched it a lot more than we kept it. You know, it almost becomes like toss for us, really. But we also had a quarterback that was, was willing and able to keep it if we, you know, if he got that read. On the pitch mechanics, and I've coached this different ways over the years, and, you know, the traditional thumbs down to get the pitch uh, versus, and we used yep. to call it basketball pass. What what do you guys teach and what do you feel is most effective? Yeah, we're, we're more the kind of the basketball pass. You know, it, our, our guys done it both ways. You know, late in the year, quarterback was a little banged up with his left hand so he couldn't really grip the ball with his left hand so we went speed left he would actually two-hand pitch it two-hand shovel it which wasn't great quite honestly but you know for us it, it's you know it was kind of what he felt most comfortable with and, and it was more that basketball pass what he felt most comfortable with so I know you can teach it you know a number of ways we'll, we'll do a speed period at least once a week usually twice a week with our backs We'll get our slots involved. We'll do a little bit of arc motion where our slots can become a pitch guy to work with them as well. But, but you know, we're working it. You know, those guys are constantly catching pitch. They're constantly working the relationships. So I, think, you know, I think you can do it a bunch of different ways. I think it's more just the repetition of, of working that mechanics and, you know, working it with your back. You'll see sometimes where teams will have the quarterbacks pitch the ball to each other, and I think that's okay. But I think you got to get it at full speed, and you got to get it with your back or your slots. Whoever you're going to pitch in the ball to, you got to get them involved. When you look at high-performing offenses who put up numbers like you guys did, the explosive play is a big part of it for you. What was really the, the scheme you felt was most explosive in this past season? Yeah, for us, you know, we were, we were really dynamic with our two slots, and they were two fifth-year guys. So for us, you know, a lot of it was, you know, a lot of the slot fade stuff that, that you see everybody running now. We, we were really good. Our quarterback, you know, threw that ball well, and, and we had guys that could win. You know, I think sometimes your matchups, depending on where, where your athletes are, you know, it really depends on what matchup you like. But we felt like our two slots really against, you know, most safeties we saw, and really, you know, I don't know if there's anybody we really thought it was a bad matchup against. You know, that was a route that, that we, you know, we liked. You know, so we'll run a lot of the like slot choice stuff, so a lot of that stuff where, you know, kind of the quick game, getting the ball out quick and, and uh, letting those guys kind of play off the overhang defender, play off the inside backer. And then when you start seeing that, you, you maybe start seeing some safeties that, that want to be a 12 now coming down a little bit and, and playing at 10 or 11. And that, that's the time that we really try to get vertical on them. So for us, you know, as far as explosive plays, you know, really our, our, our slot fade game, and we do that a bunch of different ways, but that was probably our most effective vertical shot. I and mean, then we'll run, you know, all the four vert stuff and, and four verts, you know, out, out of stack looks and, you know, just, just kind of changing landmarks with our, you know, the landmarks stay the same, but changing the player that's attacking the landmark. So the traditional four vert stuff was really good for us as well. I mean, just trying to run that out of different formations, different looks, and try to change the looks of the defense. Coach, to wrap things up, when you look at everything you do as a coach, and you've, you've done it all, you've been a defensive coordinator, the offensive coordinator, you're the head coach in your program. What, what would be the one thing you say that you do as a coach that really gives your guys the winning edge? A couple things, you know, real quick. Things that we, we made a pretty big change this year philosophically. Really with the COVID year, you know, we played what was supposed to be a five-game schedule in the spring of 21. Uh, we ended up playing three games with some of the cancellations in our league. Knowing we were coming back for a fall season, we, we made a really concerted effort to practice shorter and, and really to eliminate contact in our practices. You know, so we, we went from being a team that traditionally practiced for about an hour and 50 or two hours to a spring season where we didn't practice longer than about an hour and 15 minutes. We had great success with that. You know, we felt like our guys were fresher. They were happier when we got to Saturdays. And, and 
I think my evolution as a coach coming into this fall, you know, we, we talked about it and just said, this is something we want to continue. You know, so we've gone to, you know, early in the year, we practiced for about an hour and a half max. As the year went on, you know, we were probably an hour 15, hour 10 is all we were on the practice field for. And never went full pads. We didn't have a full pad practice. You know, our, our running back didn't get hit in a practice this year and just took, took contact out of practice and really made it our goal to, to get our guys healthy and happy to Saturday. You know, and, and uh, really did some research on that. And, you know, I think think some of the you know some of the stuff you look at, your your goal is trying to get your best players at 100% on Saturday, and, and no one's 100%, especially in, you know in a physical season as it goes on. But how close can you get your guys to 100% health? You know, can you get them to 90%? Can you get them to 95? And if you're playing an opponent that that's been banging or, or maybe practicing a little bit longer, you know, maybe they're at 80%. And I think there's some built-in advantages there. I think the other aspect with that is just the psychology of it you know for our guys you know we're wearing full pads means putting on practice pants and knee pads you know most of our guys are going to wear a girdle underneath their shorts but the psychology of saying you're going full pads versus shells creates a difference and, and i think you know you can practice the same way the same tempo the same you can even contact the same way you probably are right now by just taking the pants off and and, and changing things so i think that's that's one of the things we've done really well we've become just significantly more efficient with our time and you know, we're not wasting time in the practice field we're practicing at a very high tempo but we're more efficient with our time and then for us you know our, our program's built on competition so just trying to do everything we can to be as competitive as possible in everything that we do you know so whether that's academics it's speed and agility work it's time in the weight room it's on the practice field just constantly 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 preaching competition you know posting results you know everything we do we, we try to try to compete and i think that is something that our players buy into, and it's been something that's really worked for us. Coach, I really appreciate you sharing all of this with us today. Uh, definitely picked up uh, a lot of coaching points here, I think, that are helpful to our listeners out there. What's the best way for our guys to connect with you if they have some more questions or want to learn more about some of the things you do? Yeah, I'm uh, you know, very successful uh, Twitter. You know, my, my Twitter handle is, is LUCoachBruton. My email um, is on our website. You know, feel free to email me. Feel free to call me. You know, I'd love to share. You know, love to continue uh, reaching out and learning from other guys. So yeah, if there's any questions that guys have or different ideas, you know, we, we'd love to share and, and love to, uh, to talk football. And, you know, we, we do a lot of things well here. We don't do everything perfect. And, and our, our way isn't the perfect way. It's not the best way for everyone, but, but I think it can be effective for a lot of people. Well, Coach, again, thank you for taking the time. And, Best of luck to you and the Muskies in 2022. I really appreciate it, Keith. Thank you.